as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or good night, whenever you're listening. We're back. It's the Top Pair Podcast. I am your host. It is Eric Weinstein. With me, as always, is my partner, Nick Maxwell. Nikki, how are you, pal? I am, in a word, sticky. It is overly humid here, and I'm waiting for this thunderstorm to wipe out this weather. Yeah, it is overly humid pretty much everywhere. Um, it is nine. It feels like 96 on the island, so awesome. But while it feels like 96 down here, they're still playing hockey on ice in certain arenas. So um, the semifinals are over. The conference final is set. Not conference final. The Stanley Cup final is set. See, I can't even believe it because it's so late in the year that we're playing the Stanley Cup final. We have the Le Habitant de Montreal, the Montreal Canadiens, and the Tampa Bay Lightning is your Stanley Cup final. Before we get into that, before we recap the semifinal series, you know what we got to do? Got to go through the housekeeping. You got to find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and Audio Boom. You can find us on the homepage of A1 Sports Network. That is A1SportsNetwork.com. You can find them on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at A1 Sports Network. You can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at Top Pair underscore pod. That is Top Pair underscore pod. P as in pretty sad on Friday night when the Islanders dropped game seven. O as in, of course, I almost cried, keyword almost. D as in, damn it, would have loved it if they could have been in the Stanley Cup final. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Eric Weinstein, two scenes, two ends. Nicholas, plug your stuff. Wow, you are amazing with coming up with uh, acronyms, I gotta tell you. You know, I'm you just, it's, it's a gift. On my own Twitter account at mmaxwell01 or on my personal Instagram account at nickjmaxwell. Awesome. Okay, so we'll start out, we'll go, we'll go through the two series that um, previous to the Stanley Cup final, and then we'll go through our preview of the Canadians and the Lightning. So we'll start out with me being the saddest of the sad. Um, the Tampa Bay Lightning defeated the New York Islanders in seven games. Uh, game seven, a one to nothing win over Tampa over the Islanders. Uh, Yanni Gord, the only goal, a shorthanded goal, which happened to be the only shorthanded goal the Islanders gave up all season. What a time to give one up. Um, I got to tell you, it was real tough Friday night. Um, I was at one of my buddy's houses. Um, the drinks were flowing. Uh, the tears were almost flowing. Um, but I mean, you got to give it to that New York Islanders team, man. The, the effort that they had, um, losing their captain, um, bringing in Paul, Kyle Palmieri and Travis Zajac. Um, this team fought the entire way. I mean, obviously you would have liked it them to have more than 15 shots on goal in a game seven. Um, but this team, they fought the whole way. You know, they were trying to keep their, their old arena, the old barn open for one more playoff round. Um, Semyon Varlamov was fantastic in net for most of the playoffs. Um, you know, they just didn't, they, they couldn't find a way to get one past, uh, Andre Vasilevsky in game seven. So Nikki, I wanted to get, I mean, I'm going to be as biased as possible because you know me, uh, Nikki, I want to get your unbiased thoughts on the Islanders and the Lightning. Uh, I really, I mean, the series to me was like the equivalent of coming down to like a coin flip, right? Like, I think every step of the way, you know, like every series, it had its weird flows. Each team kind of had momentum. And, and in game seven, like both teams kind of played to the style that they wanted to, right? Like, the Islander or the Lightning were up and down 
generating chances, pushing the pace of play as much as they could, cycling the puck down low. The Islanders were just being that stingy bend but don't break. And to that, to their name, they they held on to that name or that that brand for as long as possible. And it was just one one mistake, one lost guy in traffic. But unfortunately, in a game seven, like that's all it takes. And for, and for them, it's just it just seems like when they get to those when they get to those points in the series where they need a big goal, they still are trying to figure out who that guy was all playoff long. Like they kind of did scoring by committee throughout everything, right? Like Barzell had his hot streak after being cool really early in the playoffs. You know, then it was Paul Mary, you know, Zajac chipped in guys like that. But I I think, I think if you're, if you're the Islanders, you have to be super excited for this team. You're going to be built with a really good core going forward. You know, shore up the goaltending position um, this offseason by getting Sorokin signed. And I just think continue to build this thing brick by brick and just, you know, not adding the flashiest of names, but guys that truly believe in a culture and, and in a style of play, and they're committed to that style of play. Um, it's just you, they just ran into an absolute buzzsaw, and there's a reason Tampa's the defending champions. Yeah, and in the way you put it, they they believe in what they do. They believe in their coach. They believe in the GM. It you know it starts, and they believe in each other. I mean, these guys, like you said, it's been scoring by committee. You know, the sum. What what's that expression? The sum is greater than the parts, or whatever that expression is. Um, you know, the Islanders. They're gonna. We bring it up every week how they're gonna play. They're gonna muck it up. They're gonna grind you down and. You know, they needed the timely goal scoring. And, you know, in game six, it was, you know, Jordan Eberle on a backhander that was a screenshot. You know, Scott Mayfield with an absolute snipe to tie it at two. And then Bavillier. You know, I was in the building game six. And it was, I can confidently say I've never been in a louder building in my entire life in any sort, like in any sort of function or whatever it was, sporting event, just in life in general. It was the loudest building I'd ever been in. I mean, you couldn't hear... How amazing was that, too? Like, especially for the fact that, like, it's been, like, however long we've been away from from just in stadiums in general, like being in New York State, and then, like, you just have a crowd that's just, like, as eruptive as that. Nick, you couldn't hear the goal horn because it was so loud in there. Like, you could barely hear the song, the, the goal song afterwards, and then you could only kind of hear them getting ready for the yes chant. It was like, it was the loudest. And in the Coliseum, you know, that what a way for the Coliseum to go out, that that's going to be the last game is that game six overtime winner from Bavillier. Um, the ceiling is so low, there's just nowhere for the, the volume to go. There's nowhere for the sound to go. It was so loud in there. You know, I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad I got to bring my dad, who has been going to the Coliseum since it opened in 1972, I mean, I'm glad he got to see one last game there, and you know what? It's the the whole playoffs. Every time, it almost kind of got like, all right, is this going to be the last game at the Coliseum? Is this going to be the last game at the Coliseum? And I think that's why I was so upset on Friday night, is because like all the memories of me going to the Coliseum all hit me all at once. Um, but yeah, I mean, the Islanders—they'll be back. They're going to have a shiny new arena uh, coming this fall. Um, they have some key guys they got to resign, and like you said, Sorokin and Pellick and Bavillier and Casey Zizekas. There's guys they have to resign. Um, but if there's anybody I trust to do it, it's Lou Lamarillo. Uh, I listened to his exit interview today. You know, same with Trotz. You know, the Islanders are in a great place. This is a team that 
for basically my entire life has been a laughing stock. And for the team to go to back-to-back conference finals or semifinals, whatever the hell you want to call it, I mean, the Islanders are in a great spot. You know, they have a great core with Barzell, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey. Um, they have young guys coming up with Oliver Wallstrom, Noah Dobson, you know, Samuel Bolduc in, in Bridgeport. You know, they have Ilya Sorokin as the goal of the future, and Varlamov was fantastic um, from the Bruins series on. I mean, they're in a great spot. And, you know, I think back to the those Capitals teams where it took them so long to – they took their lumps. How many times did they lose in the second round to the Penguins? They lose in the first round to the Rangers, whoever. So, you know, you got even the Lightning. I mean, how many times did they lose before they finally cracked through last year? So they got to take their lumps. They're taking them right now. It sucks that they didn't win, but, you know, they're going to be in a better spot for it coming into next season. Yeah, 100%. I think sometimes it's just it's – just- a bounce of a game or two, and that changes the entire complexion of the series, right? Like you just talked about, you know, before the Blues won the Cup, you know, two years ago, how many times did we think, like, that core was going to take it all the way and they get bounced by a team like Chicago, right? You know, same thing with, you know, the Bruins back in 2011. It felt like they were going to contending for a long, long time, and then they lose, and then they finally get back to it, and then we thought they were going to win Stanley Cup champions for years and then they still haven't won one since. So it's just, it's just one of those things that you just have to have everything go your way in a particular year. And I think that's why, you know, if we talk going forward, we're talking about Montreal, like they're a team that's had everything go their way this year. And that's why it's a huge reason why they're in that position. But I think if you're an honors fan, you, it sucks to lose, obviously, but you're jack, you're absolutely jacked up with the direction that this team is going in. You have your, 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 front office, your coaching staff, all of that management is taken care of. New owner, new arena. I mean, really, things can't things couldn't really be going much better if you're an Islanders fan right now. Yeah, I mean, especially from the since the turn of the the I guess the turn of the century. You know, they didn't win a playoff series until 2016, and then they got bounced by Tampa early. You know, this is a team you're expected to at least, at the very least, win a round in the playoffs now. So. It's been a long time since an Islander fan could say that. So things are looking good. I mean, it sucks. It really does that because this could have been a team that could have won it all. I really, truly, firmly believe that. But they'll be back. They'll 100% be back. And they're going to have a shiny new arena to play in. Um, they're going to you know, keep the core intact and you know, just keep trucking along. How'd I do? I didn't. I didn't sound like I was gonna cry the entire time. I got a little worried. Like yeah, there was a, there was a thirty second period where I was like, oh, he's gonna break. He's gonna break." I was close. Break, I, but he held it together. Held I it was together. close. I was talking about uh, the Coliseum. I got a little weepy, but we're okay. <laughs> we're okay. Um, all right, moving on from that, let's go to the other series: uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the Vegas Golden Knights. Nick, this was so confusing to me. Like, <laughs> I don't know why. I was doubting Montreal. Like, of course I wanted them to win because I'm a big Carey Price guy. I love Brendan Gallagher, you know, Suzuki, Deneau, the list goes on. I feel like Vegas should have wiped the floor with them. Like, it, I, and a talent against talent, I mean, Vegas is so much more talented than them. And I just, I, I don't get it. Please explain it to me. Like, I, I was watching the games. Obviously, I saw that Montreal was able to grind them down and, you know, making an ugly type game, but I feel like it shouldn't have mattered. 
Yeah, I mean, it's it's incredible when, you know, if this series was played on computers, then, like, Montreal would have won, or Vegas would have won this game in three, right? Like, that's how big of a blowout this would have been. But, man, it's, it's incredible. Number one, I think so much credit has to go to either Ducharme or Luke Richardson for the special teams that they put together, especially their penalty kill. It's a, the complete opposite of what a lot of teams, I think, are looking for. and But I love the way they built it, right? Like, typically, everybody on a penalty kill, it's meant to keep guys to the outside and quote-unquote soft spots that you're preventing top weapons from, from staying away from staying away from the net, right? But for them, it's, it's kind of the opposite. They're funneling everybody into the same area, and then they're instantly swarming these guys and all of a sudden, all this disruption that they're causing, power play units like Vegas and, and even Tampa for most of last night, Tampa didn't score until they got a five-on-three until the game was over. Like, they're completely thrown out of their rhythm. And so I think it's when you have a team like that that can get you so off your game, right, and be so frustrating to play against, and just for as good as they are, just there's so many – like Jeff Petrie – is just having a hell of a playoff series. I mean, injuries, illnesses, you know, just battling through everything, not putting up as much points as he probably wants, but him, Shea Weber, Ben Chirot, like, Dominic Ducharme and Luke Richardson can just say, all right, I don't care what line you're putting out there. I'm putting two of those three on the ice, and they're going to shut you down. And, yeah, they probably have gotten away with more leniency within the playoffs calling it with, like, you know, less penalties and, and more getting away with more stuff like that. But, I mean, just they're just such a frustrating team to play against because they just pound you and pound you and pound you, right? Like, it's like a boxing match with them. Everything's like small jabs to the body, small jabs to the body, and then they just flip that switch, and they just have guys like Caulfield and Suzuki that just, if you give them one chance, they're going to bury it. And I think that's why they're particularly so frustrating is because even if you're controlling the pace of play, if you can't beat Carey Price, guys start gripping their sticks tighter because they feel like they have to be perfect to beat him. And what happens is, you know, they either overpass or, you know, like in game, in game six with, you know, on that, on that game winning goal, Mark Stone has the turnover in the neutral zone, trying to be, trying to make a deke that he wouldn't probably normally make. It gets, it just gets in the head of your opponent. And I just think, like, it's nothing fancy that they do. There's no secret in the sauce. It's just they have four lines of guys who kind of like the Islanders. Like, they're committed to playing a certain type of way. They know it's not going to be pretty, but it's going to be effective. And I'm glad you brought up that Mark Stone turnover that because of how it was in the neutral zone. Montreal has owned the neutral zone this entire playoffs. I mean, it started, you know, when they took – you know, when they took Toronto in seven, when they swept Winnipeg. I mean, it's not easy to even just get the puck in the zone against these guys. And then when you, if if and when you do, you got to deal with Shea Weber. You got to deal with Petrie, Joel Edmondson, you know, Ben Sherratt, whoever. You know, these guys, this is a tough, tough team. And, you know, Vegas, they're, they're not as strong on down the middle as they are on the wing. I think you noticed that, you know, in the last couple games in the series. Um Robin Leonard and Flurry were they were good. I mean, but I feel like they kind of needed them to be great. Um, and but you know that's I, I I got confused by that they 
debate towards the end because people were talking about Flurry needing to replace Flurry after the game where he had the muffed uh, the muffed goal or whatever, and it's like you do realize like you have to win these playoff games scoring more than one or two goals, especially right. with the yeah. high priced talent that Vegas has, right? Like Mark Stone just couldn't find the back of the net. Max Pacioretty couldn't find much of anything. Jonathan Marshall show absolutely disappeared after the first series. Uh, Alex Tuck, I there were a couple of times where I was like, I did, wasn't sure if he was actually injured or not because I just wasn't noticing him on the ice. Like that's where I was just like, these guys just can't get anything going towards Carey Price. No, and I mean, I say what you want. I mean, the the high price talent up front. I think the best player for them in that series was Alex Petrangelo. I mean, that guy, him and Alec Martinez, who I don't know how they're going to be able to keep Alec Martinez. Both of those guys were absolute, like, just beasts on the back end. I mean, they got to do whatever they can to keep Alec Martinez, I think. But, you know, I think they got to do what they can to get stronger down the middle. And boy, does it look bad when they see, see Nick Suzuki on the other side, the guy they traded for Max Pacioretty. And to be fair, to be fair, Pacioretty has been good for Vegas since he's been there. But man, would they love to have Nick Suzuki down the middle. It's a rough look when you see that picture of Nick Suzuki on draft night making the rounds on Twitter. And they're like, boy, I bet Vegas would like to have a guy like this. And it's like, well, they did. And now they don't. Yeah. And I think think the most productive centerman for Vegas in the playoffs was Nikolai Waugh, which, again, first-round pick, good young player, will probably be a part of that core for a long time. But not with these high-priced free agents that you have, right? Like, no. William Carlson making $5.9 million a year. Dude, where are you? Like, Chandler Stevenson, I know he was battling an injury, but they gave him that extension because he was a playoff performer last year. And he just, again, just kind of disappeared at the end. So, I don't, like, this is going to be the first offseason in the 12 minutes that Vegas has existed <laughs> that they're going to have a lot of questions to answer, right? Like, you still have Marc-Andre Fleury for another year. At seven million, but you also have Robin Leonard at five. Are you going to bother even trying to make a deal to keep Flurry around, or are you going to expose Flurry in the expansion draft and maybe kind of hope that he gets taken with only one year left and giving you the flexibility of, you know, like you said, adding guys like Martinez and keeping them around? So they're going to be they're going to be another contender next year, no doubt. I think them and Colorado are still going to be the kings of the West in the regular season. Oh yeah, but absolutely. It seems like, you know, it's 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 so hard when you set the bar so high, right? Right out of the gate, you make it to the Stanley Cup Finals, you're losing five to a real good real good Caps team, and then they've just kind of been gradually taking a little bit of step back every, sing, every season. So I, I'm still a believer. I still need to see more from their depth players, I think. You know, as much as I love Ryan Reeves, do they bother, do they bother bringing him back at 1.75? William Carrier, I think, could be on the move. And, you know, Riley Smith is another guy. He's the assistant captain. He makes $5 million. Are you going to bring him back next year? So, Kelly McCrimmon has got an actual work cut out for him this year. I'll be interested to see what kind of moves they make because now they're going to be on the other side of the expansion draft. But I, it's it's tough when it's just like – I feel like the narrative was just solely focused on the goaltenders for the downfall of Vegas. But, to me, this is like a collective failure amongst that forward group. No, I agree. And I could see a guy like Riley Smith maybe being dangled to try to make a trade for another center, try to get stronger down the middle, 
um, try to you know open up some cap space to re-sign Alec Martinez. So it's going to be an interesting summer out in Vegas. Um, they're going to have to figure out how they can you know take that next step again to get back to the Stanley Cup final. And it's kind of hard to judge them because of how successful they were. It's kind of unfair to judge them rather because of how successful they were in year one. But for a team that's going to be a contender every year, um, it's tough. I mean, it's it's for them to kind of go out with a whimper against the Canadians like that. I mean, it's it's a bad. It's also, like Vegas fans booing their team. Shut the hell Clowns. up! You don't even know hockey pain, okay? Clowns. I don't want to hear you people even talk. I don't even want to hear you people cheer when your team's doing good. That's how sick I am. Yeah, that the people who were booing the Golden Knights, any other expansion team in any sport is bad, like, for years. Like, this, I always think of, like, the 62 Mets. They won, like, 38 games. Like, they're like whatever the record is, somebody will correct me. It'll be one of my buddies that'll text me and be like, how do you not know how many games they won? But teams that are expansion are bad. I think the Houston Tech- Texans won, like, three games when they were expansion. Like, the Charlotte Bobcats w- have the worst record ever in the hit, like, worst winning percentage ever in a season in the history of the NBA. Like, teams are bad. Like this was this is the outlier of outliers that an expansion team is this good. Um, grow up and stop booing your team. You should. You're lucky. You're lucky. Yeah. There you go. Just two middle fingers to those people out there. Yeah. Boom. Boom. There were two two middle fingers on Skype. Okay. Um, I don't need to make fun of Vegas fans anymore. By the way, I also last thing. I hate when they say "gave proof through the night" in the national anthem and they yell "night." Hate that. Um, I just do. Um, that's not even a good play on words. It's literally the same word, just in a completely just, out of context. Yeah, just with a K in front instead of an N. Um, okay, moving on. I guess we'll go to the actual Stanley Cup final. We have the Montreal Canadiens and we have the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, Tampa kind of dominated last night. We're recording on Tuesday. Um, five to one victory over Montreal, I kind of expected a game like this because – are you mouthing something? Nope, you're good. Oh, I thought you were mouthing something. Um, I kind of expected a game like this. I expected Tampa to kind of dominate the first game and for Montreal to kind of not be like shell-shocked, but to kind of just like I – don't, I don't even know how to explain it, but I kind of expected this where Tampa would come out and dominate game one. Yeah, it just felt that way after the first goal. Like, right? Like, I saw so many people on Twitter that were like, oh, this series is over. Like, after one nothing. Well, Tampa. you know how, yeah, the Twitter.com is the worst website ever. So, I mean, not surprised <laughs> to hear that. No, but I, th- I think, you know, we talked about this on the last episode. Like, Montreal is such a different team when they have a lead, right? Like, they can settle into their game. They get their forecheck going. You know, they're, they're perfectly fine playing conservative and not even really pressuring the puck at much much at all but when they get down they're definitely just not a team built to come from behind especially once you start to stack two or three on them they just need to be they need to be much better at managing the puck right like too many plays where they turn the puck over in the neutral zone or the defensive zone right like first goal of the game i believe aaron i believe was brendan gallagher turning the puck over tampa as quick is probably the quickest team in the league at transitioning the puck and then eric chernak of all people just yeah, has like the softest hands to like deflect the puck perfectly past Carey Price's glove, um, because why not at that point? Yeah, of course. And then it's just 
Yeah, and then it just snowballs, right? And I think that's how they get themselves into penalty trouble too because they turn the puck over, they're out of position. Now they have to hold and slash and do all that stuff to get back in, in the play. But And then on the offensive side, like they need to do more of how they scored their goal last night. Now I'm not saying you're going to get a double deflection every time, but guys like Josh Anderson, who I think when I say power forward, people think – he likes to hang out in front of the net, but that's not really how he scores a ton of his goals. Like he's he's a rush player. Like he likes to score goals off the rush, but he needs to be more of that physical presence in front and that traditional type of power forward. They just need to have guys like him, Corey Perry, you know, uh, Suzuki. Even he was good at deflecting pucks out of, out of the air. Um, Armia once he gets back in the lineup, Lekkinen. Like they just need to just. Score ugly. Like, don't even even bother trying to make a sexy play. And just muck this puck up, shovel it into the net, like, have it go off your knee if you need to. Like, just just make life as hard as possible on Andre Vasilevsky because he's already a goaltender who is probably a top five if you're looking at consummate candidates. So, I, I don't know. I'm not going to say they're out of this series. I still want them, still want to see them, how they're going to play at home. But I definitely think last night was a wake-up call of being like, wow, guys, we have to go to an even another level from what we had against Vegas if we want to compete against this team. And we had to play damn near perfect. Yeah, I think the the king of overreacting would be, yeah, this one's over um, Tampa in five. You know, forget about it. I would be very surprised if uh, Montreal doesn't win tomorrow. Um, I think they, they saw what, what they're dealing with here. Um I think Armia is supposed to be back in the lineup. I know he's, you know, not exactly a major piece, but he's somebody that matters in that in that lineup. So, um, also, I don't expect the Caulfield Suzuki to Foley line to be a minus three again. I would be very surprised if, you know, if that happens. Those guys are going to get involved offensively, and they just got to make, you know, they got to make life hell. They got to Corey Perry's got to get out in front and make life hell for Vasilevsky. Um, Brendan Gallagher has got to just. You know, he was. I mean, he was getting in Headman's face last night, which was amazing. Oh man, that 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 shot of him like looking up and just like blood just coming down from his head, being like, "What happened?" And it's like, man, this poor dude just takes so much abuse over yeah, the course of the season. I mean, he's he's a scrappy mother effer. That guy. I mean, he is some he's some kind of player, and he's no fear. And that's the kind of the theme of the the Canadians. You know, all playoffs. There's no fear in those guys. You know, they believe in what they do. They're, they're a lot like the Islanders. I heard a lot of people comparing them to the Islanders, which I think is a pretty damn good comparison. They're not afraid. You know, these guys, especially when you have a leader like Shea Weber, they're not going to be afraid of the Tampa Bay Lightning. They're going to, they might not be as talented. Well, they're definitely not as talented, but they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be afraid of those guys. I think you're going to see them come out with a lot of jump. I bet they score first. Um, I'm going to say on this podcast, I'm going to be betting on the Montreal Canadiens to win tomorrow, um, and I think they take it back up north of the border, tied at one. Yeah, I, and I think, too, like, I think Montreal is going to take some notes from from what the Islanders did in game six of their series, right? Like, I think they're going to go hard after guys like Kucherov and Edmund. I'm going to bet that somebody like Shea Weber is going to do a lot of dirty stuff in the corner of really pushing the patience with the referees. Because I think ultimately the referees are trying to stay out of it as much as possible, even with as much scrutiny as they've been under. Even though, oh, according yeah. to Batman, that they're the greatest referees of all time. Oh yeah. Um, oh. It's, it's been a poor, um, it's been a poorly officiated playoffs, and that's putting it nicely. <laughs> and that's all I'm going to say on the matter. That's it. 
That's it. But I, but I think I think just moving forward, you know, if you're Tampa, you just need to play your game. You, you're clearly the better team. You have just as much depth as they do at almost every position. And you're just focusing on taking care of your own zone because the one thing Montreal has done very well this postseason is take, take advantage of opportunities, right? Like blind, no blind passes, no easy passes. Don't be anything. Just play north-south. Just play straight ahead. Use your transition. Use your speed. And for Montreal, you just if it's an ugly game that you're watching tomorrow, like if you're kind of bored watching it, that means Montreal is playing the way that they want to play. Exactly. And I, I would say that too. And I just think Shea Weber, Corey Perry, Brennan Gallagher are going to do everything that they can to get under the skin of the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, it's going to be – it's honestly going to be a lot of fun thinking and seeing what those guys are going to do to get under the skin of the Tampa Bay Lightning. And, you know, the Lightning, they're no – obviously, they're no slouch. They're, they're the class of the league right now. Um, it's going to be tough to get under their skin. But especially with a team like that that knows what they have to do to go back-to-back um, – you know, it's going to be on the leader. I'm, I kind of feel bad for Nikita Kucherov going into tomorrow because somebody's going to go after his kidneys. He's going to be pissing blood after the game, after the, probably how many cross-checks he's going to take tomorrow. So, um, But, yeah, that being said, I'm going to say that the Canadians win 3-2. Um, they're going to muck it up. And and the whole thing about a boring style, it's I, I hate that term, boring. You know, I think it's just they execute so well. They know how they are. And they defensive teams make life hard for the other team. It's not maybe that they play boring. It's that, you know, we're so used to the lightning, just slapping it around, tape to tape, you know, highlight real plays. But teams like the Canadians are going to make it hard for them to do that. So that's kind of where I guess the boring mantra comes to. But, hey, if your team is boring but you're making the Stanley Cup final, I'll take boring every day of the week. Who cares? As long as you're winning, who cares? Yeah, that's the flip side of it. Like, if you're boring and bad, that's that's a rough that's a rough statement to make about a hockey team. If you're hashtag, boring and effective, hashtag bad and cares. boring. Nobody wants to be yeah. that. Okay, so before we wrap this up, there were a few, a couple extensions that were signed, and Nikki's team has a new coach. Nick Don Granado is was named the head man of the Buffalo Sabers. He was the interim coach. They removed the interim tag. He is now the head coach of the Buffalo Sabres. I believe it was a three-year deal. Uh, Nick, I don't know why they didn't just announce this like right as the season was over. Yeah, Yahoo, right? Yahoo. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I'm happy they did their due diligence, but I think it was also like a fool's a fool's journey. Is that a saying? Did I just make that up? I think I just made that up. You did. Because um, I just, I just think with the Eichel situation, no good candidate is going to want to touch that job, especially when there's going to be more firings happening after next season anyway. And it's, there probably won't be COVID and you could do everything almost normally. Right. Um, I, but I, I just think for me, like I think Don Granato did earn this. I think the Sabres were a much better hockey team with him. He gave them some structure. I, he's been an assistant for what feels like ever. Um, he's coached the world juniors. He's coached um, at the college level. I I'm happy for him. I think he's, this has been a long waited opportunity. I think it was, I think what I heard was a three-year deal, so it's just one of those things where if after two years it doesn't work out, then you just you just, fire you just on to the next one. <laughs> you just fire him. You say we will not be bringing him back. Yeah, I mean, the Sabres went from, I, I don't know what's worse than bad and boring, uh, terrible and unwatchable, 
Garbage. Just say garbage. They, but all they boxes. went from that to bad and boring. So right. I mean, I guess I'm that's I guess that's an improvement under Don Granado. So I mean, it, the Sabers. It's it, I don't know what to say really about them anymore. I don't know what we can say. It's it's a disaster. Um, but hopefully, the hiring of Don Granado makes it a little less of a disaster. But yeah, this team has a long, long way to go. Uh, moving on from the Sabers. Um, Kind of a surprise move. Um, the Edmonton Oilers and Ryan Nugent Hopkins are set to announce, this is per Ryan Rashog of TSN, um, a new eight-year, $41 million deal today, which includes a full no-movement clause. Um, that's about a five-year, a $5 million per year average annual value. I think this kind of sets the market of what this post-COVID flat cap free agency is going to look like where it's a lot of term and less money. Uh, Nick new, just staying in Edmonton, uh, former number one overall pick. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I didn't expect him to go anywhere. I think because their forward depth just falls off a cliff after McDavid and dry that he was an integral part to come back. Um, the full no movement clause in eight years was a little bit of a shocker to me. He did take a little bit of a pay dump, I think he was making six million last year from his last contract, so go down to like five point one two five. I think is the AAV on that. Yeah, it's um, like just over but, uh, five million. Yeah, yeah, like so. I just, I, I don't know. I mean, good for him. I'm just surprised. Kenny Holland doesn't really love to do long term deals like that. Um, but I, I guess if you feel like this is going to be a huge part of your future, then then go ahead and make the deal. Yeah, I mean in. In 52 games uh, this past season, he had 35 points, 16 goals. I mean, he's a solid middle six forward. Um, this is kind of the going rate for middle six forwards at this point. Um, he'll be 36 when the contract is up, so he'll have spent 18 years in the Edmonton Oilers organization when the contract is up. So how about that? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins sticking around in Edmonton. Um, the other signing today uh, – the Wayne train is sticking around in Toronto, Canada. Wayne Simmons signed a two-year contract extension at a $1.8 million deal. So it is a 900K average annual value. I mean, can't really beat that for a guy like Wayne Simmons for what he brings to pay him under a million dollars for a team that is, uh, to say the least, cap-strapped. Um, I think it's a pretty good move by the, uh, by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, I think I think that was one that I think a lot of people were expecting. I mean, he's a Toronto kid, so he loves it there. I'm sure um, he's he's playing in a role where he's never he's not really expected to be the guy that he was in Philly. And it's just if you lose him, you're kind of taking a step backwards from the step that you already took. Even though you kind of took a neutral step in the playoffs by getting eliminated in the first round, although this time in more funny fashion. So I don't really know. Like if you're Toronto. Like, if this is really a step forward or backwards or sideways. So, I mean, you can never have enough guys like that on your team. Like, they're real culture guys. Hard nose, physical. He's going to have his, he's going to prove his worth again come playoff time, more so in the regular season. But, happy for the Wayne train, man. I'm, I'm happy that he's sticking around. I think he does a lot of good for hockey, especially in the inner cities. Oh, yeah. Um, but I just, I don't, and I don't, think he's ever won a cup either i mean maybe if he gets traded to somebody else i would like to see him win a cup <laughs> but i just you know 
but happy happy for that dude. I'm always happy to see guys get paid. Yeah, good for him, you know, to stick around because it almost looked like his career could have been at least his NHL career could have been, you know, over. But he had kind of a um I guess you could say a revival year in Toronto this past season and you know, he gets the two year deal, a little security. I know it's not too long, but in the flat cap era, nobody's unless you're Ryan Nugent Hopkins and you take a pay cut, nobody's really you know, getting these long-term deals right now. So it, we'll see. I feel like we're going to see a lot of deals like the Nugent Hopkins deal um, once free agency begins, you know, more years, less money. And, um, you know, free agency is, I mean, we're still in Stanley Cup playoffs, but the free agency is right around the corner. We'll have a free agency preview, I'm sure. Um, so, Nikki, anything else you want to go over before we uh, wrap this puppy up? Uh, just two quick things. Shea Weber fined the maximum amount under the collective bargaining agreement, a.k.a. five grand, yep. for slashing Nikita Kucherov. I'm sure he's going to get one of those tomorrow. Um, and ESPN announced their lineup for the NHL package next year. Oh, let's hear um, it. It's, it's, I mean, it's got, I think, every single character you could probably ever want covering this hockey games. They're keeping around a, new, a mix of old guys and new guys. Um you know, John Butchergrass is going to be a big part of it. Barry Melrose, unfortunately, is still going to be a part of it. So, but there's a lot of really good additions to this, too. I think Ray Ferraro coming down um, from TSN. Mark Messier is a guy that we've talked about before. Your your boy, <laughs> Rick DiPietro, is going to be an analyst as well. My boy. Um, Kevin, yep. Kevin Weeks, Sean McDonough, Steve Levy, Chris Chelios, uh, and then up. Oh, Obviously, too, like a lot of really, I think, prominent female reporters as well. Linda Cohn's going to be doing some post-game stuff. She rules. Love um, Linda Cohn. Shout out Oswego. AJ Molesko <laughs> is one of my favorite. She's uh, great, too, with MSG. She's awesome. Leah, Leah Hextall, Emily Kaplan. So I think a lot of people, if you go to ESPN, they're going to have a lot of really good names here as well. I think they're also putting games on ESPN Deportes, which would be hilarious to watch a hockey game in Spanish. I think if I get the chance, I'm definitely going to do that. At least for like a few minutes, just to see what a hockey game in Spanish is like. I would do that. Um, yeah, I just want to hear like soccer goal call for like anybody. Like, I think that would just be hilarious. Yeah, that would be great. And I'm sure we'll get clips of it on Twitter. You know, I'm sure there's going to be like a, a hockey on like ESPN Deportes hockey, like that somebody makes up and, and I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, if somehow somebody, whether it's ESPN or TNT or Turner, if one of them could get Gary Thorne back in the booth, I mean that would be so great. Um, so, but I think it's it's a great lineup. Sean McDonough was good when he did Monday Night Football. Uh, Butcher Ross is good. I'm sure Steve Levy's going to get in the mix. Um, they're they're in a good spot, and that studio show I'm very interested in to see as well. So, um, you know, I'm interested to see who I know. Uh, Turner has Kenny Albert is going to be their their head, uh, their lead play by play guy. He's doing the Stanley Cup final now. Um, I think I only like Kenny Albert doing hockey because I hate him when he does the Knicks, and I really hate when he does football. So it's going to be it's, but I don't mind him when he does hockey. So I'm okay with him doing it right now. But um, well, I think they said I think TNT was rumored to be going at Burke too. I mean. I know that would probably bother you, but like Brendan Burke? he would be a good another. Yeah. No, I think NBC like paid him even more money, and now he's going to be like the voice of the Olympics. Oh really? Yeah. That would be. Yeah. I saw. I heard him doing lacrosse, and I was just like, "This is a 
waste. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, they're, they're like handing him money, and he's like, all right, yeah, I'll call the cross, whatever. Like, uh, yeah, Brendan Burke, currently living in Huntington, New York. Shout out to him. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, that's all we pretty much have for this episode. It's going to be, I knew it was kind of going to be a quicker one uh, today, but again, you can follow us along on Twitter, Instagram. This episode will be up as soon as possible. Nikki, anything you want to say to the people before I let you go? Hello, people. Thank you for following us along. Please leave a review if you feel so inclined. Tell us where we're terrible. Tell us where we're, eh, okay. Tell us where we're great. Um, and uh, we'll have more coverage of, this, of the finals, obviously. And then moving into the offseason, we'll have more content as well. Speaking of ratings, if you rate us less than five stars, I am inclined to think that you're a hater for no reason. So rate us five stars. Leave us a review. It's been a little bit... Uh, But hey, we love you. We're glad to be back. We'll talk to you next time. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. See you around.